0: This is a real ranger, Barbie. Thanks, Barbie. Gosh, this night is just perfect. It's perfectly perfect. And you look so beautiful, Barbie. Thanks, Barbie. I feel so beautiful. So do I. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever, and so is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and so is the day after tomorrow, and even Wednesdays, and every day from now until forever. (laughs) Do you guys ever think about dying? I don't know why I just said that. I'm just dying to dance.
1: Of things to talk about because
2: you've been so good. <laughs> Go ahead. well. You see, the thing about the Godfather is, and what a lot of people maybe don't appreciate. <laughs>
3: perfect segue. Perfect segue. <laughs> all right, all right, guys. So we're uh, I will rip your nipples off. <laughs> that's making the episode. <laughs> so we just came from Barbie, not Barbenheimer, which you have to do both in the same day. We just came back from Barbie, and this is me and Kat's second time seeing it, first time seeing it together. Greg, this is your first time seeing it. So, who, who's, who's dying to give the take first?
1: I think it's better the second time, and I'm already exhausted by all the culture war bullshit.
3: <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Greg?
2: Well, I, I can say that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I absolutely see why it uh, rubs the Ben Shapiro's of the world the wrong way. And any, <laughs> any movie or really any work of art or really anything in pop culture that does that is a good thing.
1: He has negative energy.
3: <laughs> definitely, definitely. So I really fuck with this movie pretty heavily. And I agree, it, it ages better the second time watching it. And watching it in a crowd that has not watched this was a great experience like there are other people on screen that were like having a fucking ball so and there there are a couple of times where greg was the loudest person laughing in the theater which is a which is a great thing (laughs) which is always a good thing Uh, the
2: comedic timing of this movie is incredible yes just uh, just a a lot of just a lot of the back and forth uh, the jokes that just pop
3: yes yeah
2: and I'm not going to uh, call Ken an idiot, because that's incredibly reductive of the character, but <laughs> a lot of the shit that he says that shows off his naivete is just hilarious. Yes.
3: Yeah. So, Kat, uh, what do you mean by culture wars bullshit? What do you mean by that?
1: I mean, I, I think that we are at the point now where it is safe to say that anything People are going to find a reason to get mad about, and they are going to use it as a way to frame uh, whatever weird political mindset they have, whether that is liberal or uh, conservative or other. And I have seen a lot of conservatives upset that the movie shows Barbie as the totality of Barbie, including uh, Mrs. Matt Gates, for example. Where is homemaker Barbie? Where is Mother Barbie, which by the way, uh, Mother Barbie, her name is Midge, was discontinued because of
3: <laughs>
1: conservative backlash in the 90s. So I, I just am noticing that a lot of folks are using this as a reason to apply reductiveness to women and also to be like, oh, well, this movie clearly hates men. When I think that this is actually one of the most empathetic portrayals of the isolationism of masculinity yes, yes. that I, I, I have seen in a really long time. Maybe ever, especially for like a teen and tween audience.
3: Yeah, I gotta agree with that. I, I, don't, I can't think of anything that's even coming close to this, really. So where do we want to begin with the actual movie itself? So before we get to the actual everything outside the movie, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with Barbie or do we want to start with Ken first?
1: Greta Greta, Greta,
3: Greta Gerwig's uh,
2: nice little ode to Stanley Kubrick at the the beginning there. Well, (laughs) she does it
1: twice because she has a, a similar... We hear Moonrise again when Ken is going up the escalator. Into, into the man area.
3: Well, I was so distracted by their clip, I couldn't hear anything. Yeah, no, it's the same yeah. piece
1: of music, and it builds the same way as it does when they introduce Barbie's concept. As, as so, when Ken is learning about masculinity, it's like little girls learn about Barbie. What's up, man?
3: We got a man up on this one. Great workout, man. You're the man.
2: I'm not worried about it. Not now, Margaret. Let's
0: shake
2: on this. We are going to make yes. a lot of money. We're
1: officially important. <laughs> when Ken goes
2: off on his own, I guess we're starting with Ken. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll bounce around. But like when 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 Ken is off on his own exploring, he goes up the escalator, and of course he sees all the screens with the prominent figures. Um, they vary. Very specifically made Ronald Reagan one of the people that he takes inspiration from, which I'm like, oh, that's bad. Oh, I know exactly (laughs) where this movie's going. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As soon as I saw Reagan, like, oh, he's going to bring Reaganomics to Barbie land, isn't he?
3: (laughs) (laughs) So in the middle of watching this the second time, it really hit me how much I appreciate Gosling's career. I feel like... He's obviously an A-list, so, like, he's, like even before this movie, he was, like, you know, what well, we kind of talk about this generation, well, maybe the last generation of great actors he was going to be on that list, but even with, like, so like Blade Runner, not doing any numbers, but then kind of had, like, a call following afterwards, and stuff like Blue Valentine, where it's, like, definitely, like, Tumblr famous, but... Like, there's no real discourse, like, for the public for that kind of movie. I think Gosselin's career has been really fascinating so far, and I never going to talk about one of his movies uh, for this coming season, Um, but I really really appreciated him in this movie. He he did a really good job with this. Yeah, he's he's equally good at
2: playing uh, the stoic badass. Like, you see in... In Blade Runner, like you see in Drive, he's equally good at playing that and just the goofball.
3: Yeah, Drive, uh, Drive, a number, another Tumblr classic, mm-hmm. uh, but not like I can't go to like just some random and say, "Hey, you've seen Drive before?" yeah
1: and, and we're gonna talk about the ultimate Tumblr classic later this season.
3: <laughs> yeah, man. I can't wait for that.
1: Have I mentioned I hate La La Land? <laughs>
3: Yes, we're we're getting to Lawland. La Don't worry, we're getting to La La Land.
1: And he's also good in totally forgettable movies that apparently the whole world streamed on Netflix seventeen times each, like The Gray Man.
3: <laughs> well, I, I I can't tell because I would never watch that movie. Just,
1: I fell asleep. Okay. It auto played yeah. on.
3: The, this is, yeah, the band auto played.
1: I was <laughs> I was <laughs> psyoped into
2: watching The there Gray
1: you. Man by falling asleep. Jeez. But yeah.
2: The Nice Guys also fucks. That is the last Ryan Gosling movie I'm going to talk about that is not this one. Um, <laughs> since this is not, as, as good as he is in this, uh, this is not Ryan Gosling's movie. This, this, is, uh, this is not, I mean, it's kind of Ken's story, but it's primarily Barbie's story. It is Barbie. Yeah.
3: So let's, let's talk about Marvel Robbie and the incredible tear that she is on. Miss Barbie. It's just Barbie. We're gonna need you to come with us. Oh. Who are you? We're Mattel. Mattel.
2: Mattel.
0: Oh my goodness. I've got to talk to somebody in charge. Everything is backwards here. Men look at me like I'm an object. Girls hate me. Everyone thinks I'm crazy, and I keep getting arrested.
3: You can just step this way, ma'am.
0: I also just learned to cry.
1: First I got one tear, and then I got a whole bunch.
3: I know Babylon didn't hit with a lot of folks, uh, but I fucking love Babylon. She was my favorite part of Babylon, and for her to carry this movie in the way she does, obviously, there's a lot of other Barbies, there's a lot of other Kins, and there's Alan. I'll never forget Alan. <laughs> um, I, I think that her career is something that is blossoming into something pretty spectacular. And I, I'm really glad that Even from like, starting from uh, Wolf of Wall Street to where her career really could have been relegated to hot blonde, but she's actually exceeded well beyond that.
1: Yeah, and I also think that she does a really good job of bringing this depth to specifically stereotypical Barbie, which she continually explains is depthless. Yeah. That does not feel fake or preachy in a a way that any anything else does. like Barbie land inherently feels like it is made of cardboard and plastic because it is yeah but she is able to bring this depth that fits right in with that but also does not feel unnatural it to the character it actually feels like there is a character there even though she is not president barbie or spaceman barbie or pilot barbie uh, she still has an internal life, that is interesting.
2: Really, every movie I've seen her in, she's always just completely lost herself uh, in her character. Whether you know, whether it's uh, Harley Quinn or Tanya Harding or even her, that I think that one scene she has in Asteroid City, she's just incredible in everything. And she cleans the floor
1: with that scene. I love that scene.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. Yes, absolutely.
3: I know a lot of people are clamoring and giving big praise to Gosling. And I've seen even some folks say that he kind of steals the movie, but I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I think because he has much more comedic pieces, it's a lot easier to be on the fun side of his journey. But I think Margot is so deep with her character that she, she balances the funny as well as the, the dark side of, Of her
1: Barbie. Yeah, I also think that if you're really coming into my home and telling me that a Ken stole the Barbie movie from Barbie...
3: (laughs) Exactly.
1: I am going to naturally and organically have some follow-up questions.
3: (laughs) I
2: think that Ken spends most of the movie having fun, whereas Barbie spends most of the movie suffering. (laughs) More, more, More or less, so just like... These the emotions that they're going through for the majority of the movie are just kind of hitting different wavelengths. Like Margot Robbie is stealing the show as the suffering Barbie. Yeah. Whereas watching watching Ryan Gosling just be an absolute goofball the whole time, <laughs> you know that that's just you know registering the part of that. oh yeah he's having I can tell that he's having fun. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So I did, or my I am kinuff. This is Sherpa fleece, and I live in San Antonio, which was a uh, bright <laughs> idea by me. <laughs>
1: so, the one day that it dips below sixty, yeah,
3: I will be prepared. I will still be hot, but I'll be prepared. So, well, you you will be warm enough. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll yeah,
2: yeah I'll, I'll make I'll make sure to get that as well. It'll go well with the. Um, I am become death in the Barbie font shirt that I also want to get. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so those would be the first two pieces of pink wear that you. Yeah. J-
2: so I. So just full disclosure, uh, when we went to see this movie, I do not own any articles of clothing that are pink. Like I show, <laughs> I I showed up black jeans, a uh, pitter patter let's get at her letter kenny t shirt, and a Seattle Mariners baseball cap, i.e the kind of outfit that I wear in my
3: everyday life most days. Um, (laughs) Every every day can. Every day can. All right. What are some other pieces of the film that you guys appreciate?
1: Uh, Helen Mirren.
3: (laughs) As a narrator?
1: She is so fucking good. And she's very funny and she's very sharp. And it all delivered with this detachment of a Mm -hmm. narrator that also has a, a huge wink. Yeah. There is a cut scene that I have not seen because it's not available yet, but I have seen storyboarded where apparently she would be in uh, in a scene like David Attenborough doing a nature documentary. Okay. And apparently it is filmed and out there. We just haven't gotten it yet. So bring back the DVD bonus features because we deserve that.
3: (laughs) Well, they did announce that the 4K is releasing. I don't know the actual date. Yo, yo, yo. Uh, Quick note. uh, As of Wednesday, September 20th, the 4K version of Barbie is set to release February 29th of 2024. So it'll be a little bit more time before we see those deleted scenes. However, you still can't catch Barbie in theaters or stream it VOD. Back to the show. The deleted scenes are going to be a part of the four K release at least, so those will hit the interwebs. I'm fairly certain uh, when actual releases. So, but great, what about you? What's on us about the movie? Appreciate it.
2: Just after admiring how uh, how what a brilliant satire the movie was, um, just cutting through themes of uh, patriarchy and privilege, because Barbie Barbie is a very well-meaning person who through no fault of her own, is in a position of privilege. And the movie is effectively about her navigating, basically navigating through everything she's known when she discovers how shitty the real world is. Um, (laughs) Yeah. To be like, I just want to help people, and the people that she's supposedly helping are like, thanks for nothing. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, But, but also I think that there is this, like, fear and annoyance of, like, oh, she is self-conscious for the first time because this is the first time that she hasn't been surrounded by a supportive environment. But also, there is so much privilege there because she is a white, blonde, conventionally attractive Barbie. Yeah. I don't think Christy or Teresa would be treated nearly Mm -hmm. so well. Mm -hmm. I think that is a thing that she realizes in addition to, wait, I thought we solved... Racism and sexism and homophobia and everything in Barbie land.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and 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 in Barbie land they absolutely did for, for the Barbies <laughs> the, the, Yeah, the uh, the the the, the, Ken, the Ken's um, un, Unfortunately, we find out very early on don't have lives of their own outside of Barbies <laughs> um, uh, so Where they,
1: do the Ken's go? I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah I do think my favorite joke on the rewatch, and there are so many that are so good, but is when they get to Venice Beach and, and they have the ad for the Miss Universe pageant. And Barbie goes, look at the Supreme Court. And Ken very earnestly goes, wow, they're so smart.
3: <laughs> yeah. And
1: just that delivery sent me.
3: I, I don't think there's going to be a funnier movie this year. Like this is, I think this is going to be the funniest movie that we get. I, I'm
2: hard-pressed to imagine a movie released this year that's going to cut as close to the bone as this one does.
3: Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. I think my favorite part of this was... I actually... I, on my first viewing, I didn't know that there was a trans woman that was playing a Barbie. Like, and we kind of talk about the intersectionality of the movie to where it's this, it, it is the standard. It's not, like, abnormal... And I like had to look at Twitter fodder around the, the trans woman to even know like oh, there was a trans actor.
1: Yeah, she's local.
3: Yeah. Oh, she's from Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh, shout out to her. Shout, yeah. out. shout
1: out to Dr. Barbie.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, she was. I, like I, I, I would not have known she was trans uh, unless. Someone pointed it out. And it so, doesn't
1: matter because doesn't, all Barbies are Barbie in Barbie oh, Land. Yes.
2: Yes. There it is. There yes. it is. Yes.
3: So... Trans women are women and all Barbies are Barbies. There, there it is. There it is. Yeah. So everyone is picking their favorites, character, or favorite Barbie or Ken. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Who's your favorite Barbie? Well, who's your favorite person in Barbie Land? Favorite toying Barbie land?
2: Well, I identify with Alan uh, Uh, just as far as as being so sick of of the bullshit of all all these supposed uh, guys who fancy themselves as alpha males. And Alan is like, you guys are fucking idiots. Get get away from me. (laughs) Yes. uh, So yeah, Uh, favorite character in Barbie land is Alan.
3: Actually, I think he's mine, too. I love the idea that there's someone who observes everything, but is not necessarily of it. Even though, like, obviously, like, he's a guy, he can, he can fit Ken's clothes. <laughs> but, like, he, he actively is rejecting the bullshit. And so I think there's a real coolness to that. There's only one Alan,
2: and... Uh, unlike Ken, there is actual evidence that he has fucked a woman. Since I, he, since I've, I've been told of the lore that he is the one who impregnated Midge.
1: And so. all Ken's clothes fit him. And his hobby is throwing dinner parties. What more could you want in a man, truly? And he, he
3: has a sick pink jumper. He does,
1: yeah. I think that mine is probably... Uh, the throwaway joke of Sugar's daddy Ken. Uh, first of all, because somewhere in a deep cosmic part of my soul, I remember that doll.
3: Yeah.
1: But additionally, just like, he seems so offended. Yeah. Then when they're like, yeah, that's Sugar daddy Ken. And he's like, ah,
3: no, no. no <laughs>
1: this is is Sugar, and I am her daddy. Like,
3: words how
1: matter. dare you?
3: <laughs> yes, words uh, matter,
1: yes. He is just so indignant. And that is so funny. And I also think it's very funny that in that first scene, all the Skippers and the Barbies and America Ferreira are in the jumpsuits, and him and hearing Magic Ken, not there. Alan, there. <laughs> Everyone else, not there. Like, They're just like, we don't feel the need to weigh in on this conflict, but we do feel the need to be seen, and I think that's so funny. Yeah.
2: Those Kens are basically—they're uh, basically the equivalent of, let's say, politicians who claim to be for underprivileged people but don't actually do anything to help them.
1: I also think it's very funny when Will Ferrell comes out of the treehouse at the end and he just looks <laughs> over at pregnant Midge and screams,
2: oh. like, "Ah!" Oh, we discontinued you. her.
1: You're- Call me mother. <laughs> I no.
2: <laughs> the Mattel board, like Will Ferrell and all the uh, you know the CEO and the CFO, all those guys. I-, I understand the position that they hold in the real world, but like, I guess the question I'm acting at, I'm getting at is why are they so weird? <laughs> I mean... So, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what their deal
3: is. And okay. that, that's actually one of the... I think one of the drawbacks of the film that you have, like, these women who are, you know, heavily critiquing the patriarchy, but when it comes to capitalism, it's a little bit... It's a little bit... We're going to have the board as these goofy guys. We're going to have, the like, the everyone in their blue and steely gray cubicles, but we're not going to necessarily dive into the true capitalism of what their corporation does. And also the movie kind of turns into a Chevy commercial at one point. Yeah. So it's a little bit, it's Well, a weird. right,
1: but one thing that I think is really interesting about Barbie and, and the movie, but also the character in general, is that consumerism has never been an impediment for Barbie. Yeah. Men doubting her has been a problem. Styles changing, what little girls want changing has been a problem. Having to learn new skill sets has been something that she's learned to overcome. None of that has had anything to do with her ever condemning capitalism. And, and the film does not either. I think it is the only thing that truly they are willing to send up but not answer for in the Barbie mythos. And I think that part of that is because they don't want to make Mattel look like not a company that wants to make money. Because they are a company that wants to make money.
3: Oh, I know that. But I yeah.
1: think that they, I think that they do a nice job at least of being like, God, these people who want to make money. goes, mm-hmm. I haven't been a CEO for the bottom yeah. line. I've been yes. here for little girls and their dreams. Yeah <laughs> It's like a pretty funny send up of the idea of like the well-meaning CEO. but also like, I don't know where we would have put a subplot about that.
3: Because I don't think they could have gotten away with it. Already
1: so jam packed.
3: Yeah, I don't think they could have gotten away with it and still mm-hmm. been allowed to make a Barbie movie.
1: Yeah, and and I think that that also though is the only critique of Barbie that Mattel doesn't really have an answer for in yeah. their Barbie Bible, and I think that's why they let it slide. Yeah, you know, because they have like STEM Barbie now, who knows how to do coding, and they have this and that, and. You know they have all these barbies in in masculine spaces they have the made to move barbies now that have the flat feet and the, all of the joints not just some of the joints all of the <laughs> joints you know they have all of these ways that they have been able to enhance the barbie brand with additional Barbiness. basically they have the historical moments collections that have fe- you know features from history you know, they do the Bob Mackie high fashion Barbies. They do that celebrate in its own way, like queerness and queer culture. They have all of these workarounds, right? But Bob Mackie Barbie is capitalist Barbie. Yep. Coding Barbie is capitalist Barbie. She comes with a computer and her book is about like buying stuff for her workspace and learning how to code. <laughs> like if they try to say that they don't want you to spend money, then why would you buy a Barbie? It, it, the whole thing falls apart. Yep. If yeah. you examine it with that level, but also let's not forget that this is a movie about a toy by a toy company.
3: Well, the yeah. fact
1: that they were willing to make fun of themselves at all is frankly astonishing.
3: Is the first time I watched this, the I Am Kenuff Sherpa hoodie, I was wondering if they would actually release it, and they fucking did. So, so yeah. Oh yeah, but, they
2: they they know they know what's going to pop about yeah. this movie. They they clearly do.
3: But for Greg's yeah. question initially, like. Other than kind of like the capitalistic side, if we kind of ignore that just for a second, I saw some other folks kind of critiquing that once we are in like you know Barbie Land, but then we go to the real world, that's where some people have a disconnect with the movie. Did you kind of experience that
2: when they jump over to the real world?
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Because I guess I guess my my only the only issue I had with uh, the real world scenes were really just the Mattel board of directors just acting really weird. Yeah, yeah. Just just like the people who work for Mattel acting really weird and also coming away genuinely wondering uh, within the world of this movie how the hiring process at Mattel is like. (laughs) Like, uh, like, I'm I'm picturing, like, after they make you sign a non-disclosure agreement, they're like, okay, so it it turns out that there's this uh, alternate dimension in which all of the Barbies we've manufactured over the years are actually life-size, living, breathing people. Think and, of it
1: like a town in Sweden, Greg.
2: And, and your job is to make sure that none of them ever cross over into our world. You think you can do that? Good. Welcome to the team.
1: <laughs> I, I also, though, at the same time, like I like that they are not sh- a shadowy, evil corporate board.
3: Like, I kind of
1: think that it's it's very clever that they are like, no, we're just trying to protect the, the children and their dreams, which is Mattel's whole thing. Like, Mattel's uh, motto, I believe, is now uh, empowering everyone through play. Okay. Uh, but for a while, it was, you can be anything. Okay. And so this movie does a really good job of continuing to be brand expansion. This movie is what a horse is to the patriarchy. It is an (laughs) expander. And I think that by making them these kind of bumbling but ultimately like trying their best guys who are really earnestly believe in this horse shit is, is the only way that they could do that that would feel not like Mattel is evil and trying to control all of our brains.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 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 I, yeah I gather that uh, just making Mattel an out-and-out evil corporation doesn't work since they're bankrolling this movie, effectively. Yeah. And I appreciate that Will Ferrell's character especially goes out of his way to say that, no, we have to protect the Barbie brand above all. We've made a lot of money, but we've also inspired a lot of people with it, yeah. Um, and 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 to the point of Barbie basically being a a uniquely American product in a capitalist country, basically having to survive and adapt in a capitalist hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this movie does uh, does that very well.
1: Well, it's really interesting, also because Barbie is pretty much I won't say stolen, but heavily, heavily inspired by this German doll called Lily, based off of a a comic from Germany. In the post-war German timescape, Lily was a character that was designed to kind of be poking fun at capitalism while also leaning into it. She was a sex worker. And she was... Oh my. Yeah, well that's where the Barbie proportions come from. (laughs) They're also what fashion model proportions were at the time with the Dior new look. Like, I can really deep dive into that if you want me to but I don't think you do unless you care about garmentry proportions all of a sudden uh, <laughs> but basically Lily the idea of Lily was that she was using her looks to survive in comfort okay. she had her own apartment she lived alone she had a pet she had a, a whole life and she did this by taking advantage of men's hearts in their checkbooks
3: <laughs> um, All right.
1: and Barbie does this too just in a way that is palatable to prudish Americans. She is a fashion model. At the time, the fashion world was largely controlled by men. She didn't even become a designer herself until five years after she came out.
3: Oh, wow. So Barbie
1: has always been a palatable version of a woman surviving in a capitalist hellscape, which in and of itself is kind of revolutionary on her own. It is her dream house. She went to the moon before women could have credit cards. She was president before women could own their own homes without a male co-signer. Like, there is a lot of stuff that Barbie kind of blew the doors off of. And that is positive, but at the same time, she is shaped the way she's shaped. Although she's shaped differently now. There are other Barbies, and they're all Barbie, and they're all shaped differently, and that's cool. Barbie was the first female NASCAR driver. think that one's pretty cool Mm -hmm. but it also shows you that like they're really protective over this idea that wasn't even theirs in the first place
3: yeah
1: which is perhaps the most capitalist thing of all (laughs) there's no way that this could be overtly an anti-capitalist movie but i do think that by reading into a lot of the historical context of the character the creator the fact that Ruth Handler, who was the head of and founder of Mattel, uh, did a bunch of tax fraud, uh, <laughs> is in its own way supporting at least a further analysis of capitalism. But I don't think it can come right out and say in the text like "Don't buy the fucking doll." <laughs> Absolutely, like, yes, it cannot do. That. Don't
2: don't uh, spend money on the merch for this movie that is going to be flying off the shelves. A lot, a lot of people for good reasons, but for also bullshit reasons, do like to throw out the saying there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. And I think that this movie does sort of examine that ideal uh, very closely and very well.
3: Yeah. By its existence, like, we're going to have Barbie in our mindset. Little girls, young, young very young women are going to want to buy Barbies. I'm going to want to buy I'm Ken enough, that Hoodies. <laughs> Living in San Antonio, Texas, where it's 100 degrees right now. So I mean, it's, it's going to happen. So you know,
2: yeah, yeah that uh, that that Barbie that America Ferrera's character pitches at the end, who's just uh, who's just a regular woman who has kind of a nice day. As soon as <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as she said that, I was just like, "You." That's going to be very popular with adult women. I, yeah. I do just love that
1: she's like she has a flattering top and she is trying to get through the rest of the. Day. But also, I think that it is trying to tell you, yes, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, but it is also trying to imbue every choice that you make about buying Barbie movie merchandise to be as, like, empowering and hopeful and pertinent as possible yeah. in a way that I think is really clever. Yeah. Like, the I Am Knuff hoodie, I don't think... It would probably still sell fine, but I don't think that it would be the must-have article of clothing for this winter if it wasn't also the culmination of a huge emotional arc.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So yes, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, but at least this capitalism is about something, which is a very capitalist thing to do, but it's still...
2: Yeah. Capitalism, when done responsibly, comes with a very important lesson to be learned as to why the message that's going to be on this article of clothing is important enough to you that uh, you would want to buy it. Yeah. Um, and but, also that you'd
1: know. buy the Sherpa one and not the one that Walmart is selling that's a ripoff. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Respectfully fuck Walmart. Okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, what up, you mutant miscreants? It is I, Orokosaki, A.K.A. The Shredder Here to tell you about the Shredhead podcast Starring me, the Shredder And my best friend My main brain, the brains of the outfit I'm talking about, Krang Krang is there He's my producer We have a podcast It's utterly ridiculous It's an insane premise Uh, To top it all off I, I haven't even seen the Ninja Turtles In years But we're primarily talking about hoops Yes, the National, the National B.A., the W yeah, National B.A., um, the the, uh, oh, oh, damn it, I've run into the lyrics, I'm sorry, but wait, just wait, check wait, out the Shredhead podcast, you know, it's me, it's crying, it's crazy. Uh, so, another, I don't want to say necessarily critique, but I think one of the most interesting scenes in the film is the America for a monologue.
0: It is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart, and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like, we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but Also, always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood, but always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged, so find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard, it's too contradictory and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us.
3: I know some people that they said that that piece kind of, even though the messaging was good, it took them out of the film, but uh, because it kind of like just slowed the movie down, maybe too much for their, their kind of taste. But I actually thought that it was really vital to have this big movie with these big laughs. But sometimes you have to ground it and just kind of just let it out what the actual theory of what you want to talk about is. And I thought it was kind of a genius clear out that they gave her.
1: I agree. And I also wonder how many of those people see Barbie as an adult woman. Because mm-hmm. I think even though she is a kid's toy and most kids' toys are of kids, a lot of people put Barbie in that same box. I've heard a lot of complaints about, oh, well, like, if you have to explain it that much to Barbie, and it's like, well, yeah, Barbie's an adult woman, but she's never, like, been exposed to this before. Yeah. That doesn't make her less of an adult woman with complex and valid feelings. And also, like, it's validating what every other person in that room is feeling.
3: Yeah.
1: It's not necessarily for Barbie. It's really for her daughter and that the movie is about their relationship as well, and Barbie just happens to fit into that.
3: Yeah.
1: Like, I don't know, man. I'm sorry if you can't handle tonal transitions.
3: (laughs) Like, I don't really know how to say that without
1: sounding like a total dick, but, like, this is a movie about complex things with multiple tonal set pieces. Yeah. Because I would argue that the the very end of the movie – with, when ruth comes back is tonally even darker than that it is and yeah. i don't know if people do they have a problem with that because barbie yeah. shouldn't be sad like
3: I, I would say the same people that have a problem with the, the monologue have a problem with that scene also
1: i've also heard a lot of people lampooning the line mothers stand still so their daughters can see how far they come and uh, they've come And I get it on the one hand. Uh, On the other hand, I'd say ask your mother. If your mother doesn't know what they're talking about, ask your grandmother. But additionally, I think that a lot of it is not necessarily that the mothers stop as much as they are stopped.
3: Yeah.
1: You know, can women really have it all was a question introduced roughly around the same time as Barbie. Yes. And we are still asking that question. Yes. So it's not necessarily about like, can you do it? Because it's, it's, probably theoretically technically possible but that ties in so much to what the monologue is
3: yeah
1: so that line doesn't land if that monologue doesn't happen Mm, because you are seeing someone who isn't even like a single mother she's got a husband they seem to own a home they have a (laughs) brand new chevy they you know they have all this stuff she's got a full-time job she had a close relationship with her daughter she has time to make her own art Like, she can invest in her hobbies. That she is still having this societal problem.
3: Yep.
2: Yes. Yeah. Within that character's uh, arc, what we've seen from her and how they've established her relationship with her daughter and with Barbie. That monologue just read to me as someone who has just had enough of this bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) As As someone who's just like, I have been trying so hard and I'm just so goddamn depressed and have had enough of this shit and this wonderful place that should be everything I imagined a Barbie world should be, which is being tainted by Ken discovering what patriarchy is literally from a junior high school library, so he effectively has (laughs) a junior high school understanding of what patriarchy is, and just being like... God, I, I am I am sick of this shit. And this, 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 and this.
3: Yeah. And to Kat's point, the idea that even though like she is laying it out pretty directly, mm-hmm. if you're already sensitive to what you're talking about, yeah, it, it's not going to necessarily resonate with you, but it's not for that group. It's mm-hmm. for everyone else. But also it's for the women who don't, for whatever reason, maybe they don't feel other women actually feel the same way
2: that they do. And I, ma- I imagine the the intent for that monologue is that that the hope that hope that it would register for the teens and tweens and maybe young women just entering or coming out of college who are entering the professional world, hearing that and just have just having that in mind while they're moving on with their lives.
1: I I do also think though that a lot of feminism and this is a thing they don't really touch on in the movie, but it would be interesting if they did and we've talked about this a little bit back when we did our Sex in the City series, is the idea that like so much of feminism is baked into only one woman can make it. Yeah. I am wondering if some of the backlash to this is chafing at those two sentiments, right? Because a lot of women are socialized to believe that once I make it, I got to secure what's mine and that's it. Yeah. And that's not anybody's fault. It's just... You know, the fact that women, regardless of color or size or background, are still considered diversity hires by a lot of companies, it says that, you know, oh, I'm a quota, and when the quota is filled, that's That's it. it. And there's there's nothing else for me or, or for me to do. Yeah. And so I do think that some of it is also people going, yeah, yeah, it's all well and good to say that, you know, we we can work together and we can do this and, and bring optimism with you, but also, you know, have, you have to do all these things. But, like, that might still not be enough. And it might not be, but <laughs> at least acknowledging all of that and giving it a name, I think, is important. I also understand, though, why it made Chafe.
2: Yeah, And that's why we have to give uh, the Kens such an uphill battle to obtain <laughs> that level of, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Because in, in Barbie world, Ken's are the diversity hires.
3: <laughs> so speaking of Ken's and speaking of their place in this movie, obviously there's rumbles of should we get a sequel? And can, every, every movie that's been successful, for whatever, for whatever reason, this question always comes up. So do we need it and do we want Barbie Part 2, Electric Boogaloo?
1: If they were to do a second part of the Barbie, I would not want it to be about a Barbie or a Ken. I think that they do a decent job of acknowledging, like, Skipper, for example. But I would really maybe like a movie about Skipper. Because Skipper is very present in all the Barbie mythology. So is Kelly. Uh, Kelly's a toddler, though, so probably having a movie about her... Eh. But Skipper is usually portrayed as like five or so years younger than Barbie. So 13 to Barbie's 18 or so, depending on canon and whatever. And I think that having a movie about her trying to figure out who she is, if she is not stereotypical Barbie's little sister, or looking for stereotypical Barbie because she needs advice or help, you know, and she's part of the stereotypical skipper line, let's say. I think that could be a really interesting continued examination of the material without necessarily treading over the same path again.
3: So, so Greg, are we are we the only two Alans in America that want Alan? <laughs> Alan the story? <laughs> Alan the origin story? I just want a
1: list of all uh, of the real world Alans. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: I mean, um, with this franchise making a sequel or a spinoff that focuses primarily on one of the male characters... Optics-wise, might not be the best move, even though yeah. they do. I, I do think they leave a lot on the table with regard to what they can do with Alan. Yeah. Um, Where did
1: Alan learn kung fu? Like- yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why was he
2: able to overpower all of those Kens so easily?
3: <laughs> oh, I got it like that. I got it like that. I mean, I, I he's,
2: mean, he's he's
1: got that dog in him.
3: Yeah. Sugar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's,
1: exactly.
2: yeah. I guess what they were going with that was the these Kens act tough, but they're not. Yeah. Whereas Alan is just so full of pent-up rage that he's able to destroy them. It's
3: like... <laughs> Absolutely.
2: But, like, obviously my knowledge of the Barbie lore is uh, limited. Like, yeah. a- apart from what little I've learned from this movie and reading about this movie, for example, knowing that Alan impregnated Midge. Way to go, Alan. Uh, LAUGHTER <laughs> Oh, and yes, it is really weird to have uh, a doll carrying a child. Well, I <laughs> mean, like, yes. do, do you know
1: how the baby was born? Because I think that is the really weird part.
2: Actually, yeah, let's get weird. Let's talk uh, about <laughs> So there, I believe,
1: were two different versions uh, of the doll. One of them was a magnet, and you would just rip her stomach off, and the baby nice. would fall out.
2: Ah, uh, the old plastic C-section. All right. uh, the <laughs> other
1: one, I believe, you would crank her back. Ooh. And the stomach would, like, retract
2: oh, shit. into
1: her chest. Uh, and then the baby would fall out.
2: You know, um, in the future, as people become more comfortable with having cybernetic parts, maybe childbirth will be like that.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, though, so, that, like, I also really liked seeing a, a Barbie in a wheelchair because a story that makes me laugh and also cringe because laugh in an uncomfortable way, not in a fun way. Uh, is that none of Barbie's dream houses can fit Barbie wheelchairs.
3: What?
1: This may have changed in the last year or so, but I believe this is as of 2022. The wheelchairs cannot fit in the front door mm. or, in many cases, into the elevator.
3: I mean, because I did notice that after the dance number, wheelchair Barbie was... Mm-hmm. A- adios. So. There are
1: multiple prosthetic Barbies that you can see. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: So yeah. it
1: is. it is nice that they are covering that as well.
2: So basically if you're if you're powered by imagination, you don't need to be ADA compliant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining a little kid throwing the wheelchair against the door (laughs) over and over again though, and just that Barbie having to deal with that.
2: (laughs) I know. But um
1: I can dance, I can dance, I can WHAM
2: (laughs) But to that point, like I I appreciate this movie, you know, depicting Barbie as you know, the, the feminist ideal of there's room for every type of woman. Women of different sizes, women with disabilities, trans women. I did appreciate that.
3: So, Kat will never see Oppenheimer. I am... <laughs> Kat's face is okay. like, why the fuck are you making this assumption? But also, he's at yeah, least 87% correct.
1: Go go ahead and speak for me. <laughs> uh,
3: well, Kat, so we're going to watch it.
1: Like I said... When you arrived here, this I is all know. being recorded in my apartment for context, I know. probably in a couple of weeks or so, when theaters aren't so crowded, I know. I and mean, I, I can actually, maybe, enjoy myself.
3: I gotta tee you up, Cat. I gotta tee you up.
1: <laughs> you gotta push me around. Yeah, you. Yeah, you will. Oh, God. Uh,
2: no, because uh, at, the, at the screening we went to, there was a little kid in the... Uh, row behind us, and while we were watching that scene where they're all on the beach singing that song, I'm just, I am just—I was just like, oh, I, I, that, that kid, she's too young to have discovered uh, assholes with guitars that are going to oh, serenade she. her. She looked
1: very confused <laughs> in the last half of that movie.
2: And it's like, oh, that hasn't happened to her yet. She's too young. Yeah, sure.
3: in, about, in about a dozen years, yeah. she'll, she'll get it. Yeah, she'll when you're it.
2: old enough to... Uh, Find yourself... Uh, with,
1: the, with an
3: acoustic <laughs> guitar guy.
1: With a guy.
2: Find yourself with a guy who wants to show off his uh, what a sensitive guy he is by singing a song with his go- a- acoustic guitar.
3: <laughs> so, Cam, <Ken>, um, by, <laughs> by the time this comes out, you, you probably will have seen Oppenheimer. But, Greg, in the battle between Barbie and Oppenheimer, who comes out on top?
2: Well, I, I think Barbie is the better movie. I had a couple of issues with Oppenheimer. One is that far too much of the dialogue just seemed too prophetic.
3: Uh, Yes, Kat, you have time to pee. Just like,
2: just, just like far too many scenes that looked like they were shot for the, for the sake of including in the trailer for the movie. A lot of which didn't end up in the trailer, but were kept in the movie. A lot of weird philosophical conversations in that movie that don't, that kind of seemed unnatural. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
2: um, and like, frankly, the black and white scenes with Robert Downey Jr. are the best parts of the movie. Like when it's oh when it when it's when it's actually a political thriller, which I think was the movie that Christopher Nolan actually wanted to make was you know an Oliver Stone type political thriller. You know, I mean, di- di- diving 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 into the life of this uh, alleged commie. I mean,
3: JFK um, was definitely in the oh
2: yeah, I, I I absolutely I can absolutely see the JFK influence in this movie. The different film stocks, uh, being one of them. Um, that And also, uh, I've kind of softened on this, but, like, selling the harrowing consequences of the Manhattan Project, if you're telling the story, you have to do that justice. And for the most part, they do that by just having Killian Murphy... Look nauseous when thinking about yeah. what he's done. Yeah, there's there's no and real he, re- there's there's only so much he can do on his
3: own. There's no true reckoning with that actual
2: yeah.
3: fallout. Well, yeah. yeah, I said fallout. Yeah, because no, like no pun intended, Yeah,
2: because like the final forty five minutes of the movie is him talking about how we shouldn't have done this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how this was when, how this, this 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 was a mistake. We shouldn't have created something that was going to destroy the world.
3: Yeah, when he clearly wanted to do that. Yeah. So yeah, but. In the, in the battle, of... oh
1: man! If only he had thought about that at any point previously.
3: <laughs> so, Kat, are you saying men should think about the consequences of their yeah. actions, or
1: yeah, it might help?
3: Ooh,
1: will it? Oh, she falls on the ground. You all deserve to feel bad for what you've done.
3: <laughs> and like, look, oh, yes, absolutely, co-sign <laughs> that, absolutely. And,
2: and like, you can also look at you can also look at Oppenheimer as an example of the patriarchy in action. Like, yes, it was the patriarchy that. Built the atomic bomb and led to a bunch of uh, other innovations using, you know, nuclear power. But it was also the it was also the patriarchy that led to the circumstances that made the atomic bomb necessary, quote unquote, in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So,
3: but I, I'm yeah. I still even yeah. with the second watch, I'm still going with Bobby over Obama, yeah. so uh,
2: you remembered whose house you were in. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, no. You want I'm, a place to sleep tonight? <laughs> oh,
2: no. no, I'm, I, no I'm, I know you. I know
3: you're the <laughs> in, in my original letterbox for Barbie, I put... I did Barbenheimer on my birthday. So I saw Oppenheimer first and I saw Barbie at night. And with my letterbox review, in the battle of Barbie versus Oppenheimer, score one for the ladies and gentlemen in pink pink heart emoji yeah. with stars circling
2: around it yeah. <laughs> Quickly, we'll just yeah we'll see how it plays out come oscar season because like giving giving a bunch of awards to oppenheimer would seem like the safe route for the academy
3: i can i can definitely see that. yeah i well, i
2: do think robert downey jr deserves at least a nomination if not a win for his performance
3: well actually uh, so, so speaking of that
2: i think
1: him, him versus Ryan Gosling, though. I was going to say, that's well, what
2: it's probably going to end up being. Would you put Ryan Gosling as a supporting or as a lead?
3: Supporting. Okay. I think he's supporting, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: I mean, I could see there being some Oscar fuckery to make sure the two people they want to win get it.
3: Well, Killian's going to get lead. He's going to get nominated in the lead. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I also, though, knowing him and knowing his strong uh, pro-union opinions... Would not surprise me terribly if he withdraws his name from consideration.
3: Maybe, maybe.
1: Especially if things are not resolved by then. It would not surprise me if he he chooses that route for himself.
3: So even if we happen to have awards at the end of the year, well, for next year, if we're talking strictly above the line stuff, I think both of these are probably going to get at least Mm -hmm. three nominations. I think they're both going to be best picture. I think Margot's yeah. gonna get leading actress, Goss' gonna get supporting, Killian Murphy lead actor, RDJ, supporting mm-hmm. actor. I can see the em- Emily yeah, Boris supporting is, yeah.
2: actress. This, this, yeah, which, this. which which you know, I'm this. sure
1: it'll also get effects um, well, yeah, of the above director. The line. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well sure. d- yeah, he's actually I can see them both getting best director. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: um, Well, also though, I think it's worth reminding everybody that most of the academy is white men Mm -hmm. uh, of a certain (laughs) age, uh, and I will be interested to see how that impacts that because white men of a certain age love stories about World
3: War II. Oh, this is gonna—I'm gonna do crazy at the awards. Barbie, like Barbie,
2: absolutely deserves all the awards for set design and costumes. Like, fucking ruled in those categories. (laughs)
3: Maybe, maybe not best original song. Uh, so, any last thoughts we want to leave uh, the lovely people with, Barley?
1: I think eight, we'll probably at least get nominated for best original song. What was oh. I made for? Is pretty
3: mm-hmm. good. Oh no, yeah, not I was. I was talking about the uh, that Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice shit. Uh, oh yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> just, just well, played. Well, I was now.
2: thinking if i am Just Ken.
3: No, nah, that oh yeah he's that. <laughs> They need to end the strike so you can perform that. So, so I
1: want nice. him alone at a solo piano. Exactly. As dancers run out with their Ken Beach outfits. Exactly. <laughs> and do a beautiful balletic reinterpretation of the Ken fight. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like like lasting thoughts. I appreciate that the message for all of the Kens. You know, it it's directed at you know Beach Ken specifically, but the message for all the Ken's, and it's put in a very polite way that resonates with them, that they appreciate, but the message is effectively, get a life.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there it is. There it is. This.
1: I feel, given how much we spoke about capitalism, that I, I have a good quote to leave, leave us with. This is from Michael Eisner, the former CEO of the Walt Disney Company. I think he now owns Topps Trading Cards and a couple of other things. He also made BoJack Horseman. We have no obligation to make art. We have an obligation. Uh, we have no obligation to make a statement. To make money is our sole objective. It may result in great art and great statements. And I think that's what happened here.
3: Not a lot was told. There it is. <laughs> there it is.
2: And uh, uh, and we'll um, we'll remember that because I'm looking at Mattel's uh, other upcoming projects when they release Hot Wheels and American Girl and Magic Eight Ball. Can't and, wait for Barney. And Barney and Polly Pocket. These are all projects in development. Rock'em sock'em robots.
1: Lena Dunham presents Polly Pocket. Oh, oh
2: yeah, geez. the Mattel Cinematic Universe is uh, off and
3: running. <laughs> the real MCU. Yo yo yo! <laughs> Before we go shameless plug for hewatchedit.com I wrote a piece entitled Being Allen What Happens When You're Outside the Box in the piece I ponder an interesting question about my favorite Barbie character (laughs) again it's hewatchedit.com and I'll leave a hyperlink in the show notes we're excited for this new season thanks to Kat for hosting me this summer thanks to Greg for hanging out with us on the show and thanks to you for listening love you Peace. Bye.
2: If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow Kat at Kat Cianetti on X, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on X and Letterboxd. Follow the show at Kat and Mark on X. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime.
3: This is a Hyphen Podcast production.
2: Are you not entertained?